Amen. Thank you for worshiping this morning. Thank you, Tarnowski family, for presenting us the Advent candle or the Advent light of peace today. We're thankful for that tradition. Good morning, everybody. So glad to see you. All this season, we have been reading Colossians together, and we've been doing that in our rooted groups. We've been doing that in our in-church Bible studies, and hopefully in your own uh, work as well. And we want to have really the crescendo of that effort this season as we begin this new series, uh, focusing on the Christ hymn that is in Colossians. And so with that, I want to do a shared reading this morning. If you please stand, we're going to read together from our Bible. This is Colossians Chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, it's on the screen for us to read together out loud. We say, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. These are the beautiful words of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let me pray as we begin this morning. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for those gorgeous words, Father, that are right there in our faces the whole time. And maybe we've never stopped and considered the beauty of this hymn, this this piece of poetry and, and the many that are like it, that are kind of buried there in the New Testament. Father, we thank you not only for its beauty, but for the beauty that it reveals that God in Christ is over all things and takes first place in all things. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do something today that I cannot do. Help us, Lord, to see you at the beginning of our story and at the beginning of our new story. Holy Spirit, come and take this time to give counsel to our heart through the word and spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This series is called The Christ Hymn, and it's The Christ Hymn Untangled. And it's an Advent exploration of one of the hidden hymns that are in the New Testament. And those of you who are regular attenders, maybe remember I did a worship series a couple of months ago. And I mentioned there at the time there are seven, arguably, maybe even a few more, maybe even a few less, hymns that are buried in the New Testament readings themselves. And, and you might not really notice them. You just get to kind of stand out in your reading. And this is one of them. In fact, this may be one of the most special of them. It's a Christ hymn that is right there at the beginning of uh, the book of Colossians. Now, there's a certain structure or rhythm to this writing that makes it stand out, that makes people, and especially people who study the word, look at it and go, there's something going on here that's a little bit more you know, beautiful, a little more thought out than maybe some of the rest. I remember when we had uh, North Park Theological Seminary, Dr. Max Lee here a couple weeks ago, and he suggested, it was his suggestion, that the Christ hymn in Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20, may be actually the very heart of what Paul was trying to communicate to the Colossian church and then unraveling it 
Spending time in it actually opens up the entire book of Colossians and its whole. And I, I can see that. I can see how that works. So that's what we're going to do. is going to begin untangling this beautiful piece of poetry. Or, or is it a song? Was it sung? Did Paul write this himself by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Or was it something that pre-existed? There's arguments on both sides. But what we know is that this piece of scripture was something that they meditated on and reflected on. It was meant to give to them as a gift. And I think it's just so beautiful. Uh, I was reading earlier, too, about this New Testament kind of Christological hymns, again, that are buried there. And there's a great book. It's pretty academic by Matthew Cordley. It's New Testament Christological hymns. And he says, you know, and to recognize the hymnic genre of this piece of Scripture, which is Colossians, again, 1, 15 to 20, when we recognize the hymnic genre of it, it allows a more nuanced interpretation of what it claims. Now, again, it's, it's not saying that it's a precise theological treatise, but the grand language, the effuse language of praise that the writer has, has crafted this with points us towards a verbal portrait of Christ that is just gorgeous. It's a word picture. It's beautiful. So in the context of our worship, it's this kind of special language invites us into the, to experience the ultimate realities that this hymn affirms. Beautiful words, again, just talking about the beauty of this passage, this poem, this hymn, this gift that God has given to the church that points us, that points us in, and hopefully opens our hearts and minds to the grandeur of Christ and who he truly is over us and for us. And it's so wonderful. So I'm excited for the next four Sundays as we spend time examining this hymn. We're going to dive in. We're going to explore it. And we're going to commit it to as an act of worship. And I want to challenge you, maybe in your own walk, uh, as we uh, approach the Christmas season, we have an Advent devotional that we've uploaded to our website. It was linked on Five for Friday, and it's a four-week exploration of this in different parts. Maybe you're one of those who like to commit pieces of Scripture to memory. This would be a beautiful one to spend time in the next couple weeks and just soak in and let God work it into your heart and mind through, through a memorization um, so just commit to attending all four weeks, maybe commit to focusing on Colossians 1, 15 to 20, your personal study, like I said, maybe memorizing it. We have an Advent devotional online you can use. Speaking of Advent preparations, it's that time of year also where not only are you trying to memorize scripture, focus yourself spiritually, but you're trying to get the house ready too. How many of you are doing that, pulling the Christmas decorations out, that kind of stuff? Yeah, maybe you've already done it. If it were up to my wife, it would have been the day after Halloween. I had to back her off a little bit from that. I gave in one year, and it just felt like, boy, Christmas. I, I sometimes struggle because I have to go and get all the stuff out and pull it all out, and it's always a work. Thankfully, the kids are getting a little bit older now, so the, they actually pulled all the stuff out. We have a pre-lit tree now. Thank you, Lord, for pre-lit trees. And they put it all up, and they start putting it all together. I don't really do as much. But I do recall any time, and it's going to happen probably today because we want to try to put the outside lights on, and as carefully as I tried to pack them away, how many of you try to pack your lights away as carefully as you can? You try to, but I don't know what happens in the box over the 12 months between the time or maybe 10 months since you put them away, but there's always that moment where you pull the Christmas lights out, and you're like, how did they end up in this tangled ball? Like, seriously, what happens in the box that all of a sudden this thing that I thought I wrapped neatly around my arm or around a, you know, a cushion of some kind ends up being this tangled ball? And so your first job is to figure out, well, how do I untangle these lights? And I've had this, this stress a few times of like, I don't know how these things are knotted in there, honey. Why don't we just go buy <laughs> new ones? Anyone ever do that too? Well, 
truly, the, the first thing you do when you're trying to untangle, you know, the Christmas decorations, you're trying to un figure out, okay, how do I get this thing unwound? I mean, really, the first thing to do is figure out where the ends are. You know, it's the first thing to do, is figure out where the ends are. That's probably my wife would say, just figure out where the ends are, right? And especially if you can start with the ends, the plug, because that's really where it begins. That's the beginning, right? So if you're going to try to untangle the lights, best thing to do is try to find the beginning. Okay, now I'm saying that because I think the best place for us to begin untangling this Christ hymn in all of its beauty and all of its penetration, for we put it up so we can truly examine it and celebrate it as a gift over this holiday, is to start at the very beginning, okay? And that's really the first verse that we read together that reminds us, and again, such beautiful, beautiful language, that he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, in Christ, all things, all things in heaven and in earth were created, both the things that we can see and even the things that we cannot see. doesn't matter if they're thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, things that we think have great influence over our lives. All things, all things have been created through Christ and are for Christ. This is the beginning. This is just the beginning. He's saying this is the power cord here. This is where this whole thing plugs in with Christ as the image of the unseen God. All things created through him and by him and for him. Now I'll remind you what hopefully is obvious. That he's talking about Christ. He's talking about Jesus, the Christ. Now always remind people Christ wasn't his last name. Christ was his title. He was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the, the one that they longed for throughout the history of Jerusalem. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. He's the one that was to save the people out of their sins and, and bring us back into the kingdom of God where he will reign forever. They were waiting for him. And even those of us who didn't grow up in that covenant, in that Jewish covenant, we were waiting for him as well. And that's who they're talking about, Jesus the Christ. He's greater than you even imagined as we received him as the one who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. It's even bigger than that is what he's saying. He was actually there. He's actually the image of the unseen God. Which in the sense, what he's saying is he is the, the, the perfect icon or representation of God's love or reflection of God's love that we often long for and want to see where do we find the love of God in Christ fully and absolutely and wholly in Christ himself. God's perfect love is shown to us in Christ. And, and what do we know about Jesus and the way that he, he walked and he loved? Well, he was a man of great grace. And so we add that into our understanding of God's love. We get this beautiful picture of God's love in Christ, it is a gracious love that he loves us despite. He loves us even though we are far from him and sinners. He loves us in a gracious love. Now, look, I, I love my, my wife and kids. This may be a way for us to picture that. I mean, I truly love my wife and I truly love my family. But I can feel that all the live long day. But they need to experience that love. They need to have a reflection of that love. And so through my words and through my action and through my care for them, both in the things that they see of me and the way that I speak of them, but also the ways they don't always see, the work that I do behind the scenes of our home and our family to, to love them and nurture them, 
That's how they experience my love. I'm saying that's similar to in Christ, where God loves, but that love must be experienced. And so it's experienced to us in Christ. He is the perfect reflection, image, icon of the great love of God. And how we experience God's love is solely and absolutely in Christ. It's an amazing, amazing way to begin this Christ hymn. He is at the beginning. He's before all things. He's the image of the unseen God. It's a fascinating thought that stirs our hearts. You see, because the world offers us such a different story, doesn't it? The world offers us such a different story when we think about our origins or our roots. See, more common today is the understanding that our origin or our root comes from something else other than love, that it might be like, like choice or chance, that we just are here because and we just climbed out of the soup and then here we are, and then based on our choices, good or bad is how our life tends to go. We come out of, according to the world, we come out of just a basic sort of randomness. And because of that, there's no real value or, or purpose to our lives. There's no meaning to it. So we have to make our own meaning based on our choices. If we do good, we get good. If we don't do well, we don't do well. That's how it works. See, not so, not so in Christ. When we find Christ at the beginning, we don't start, our origins aren't choice or chance. It's love, a gracious love that God gives us life out of his gracious love. It's not chance or choice, but we begin instead with a story that starts with grace and even peace as a gift because God gives us life in Christ as a gift. He is the image of the unseen God. Nothing is made that does not come from the heart of God. And because of this, all things find their origin in him, including you, including me, and all of those people and things and places that we go and we love and we enjoy. They're not there by randomness. They're not there by just chance. We don't get them because we made good choices. Everything we have, life itself, is a gift given to us by God who loves us in Christ. And if you start to receive that as your story, it opens up our hearts to live in gratitude. See, I can tell already that Paul doesn't want us to make the same mistake that has been made over and over again since the very start of time. He talked about this in his letter to the Romans when he said every evidence of God was available to us if we just take time to open our eyes and look. Nature itself reveals the very glories of God, which is the love of God in Christ. But even though they knew God, he said, here's where people go off. Even though they knew God, everything they knew was available to them, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And then they got lost. And in the story of Romans 1, they get hopelessly lost in all kinds of wickedness. Every evidence is clear to us if we just open our eyes of our heart and we see that there's a loving God who created beauty and created us also in his image, his image of love, and blessed us into life. When we begin with that story, it opens up us to experience and honor him and glorify him and give him thanks and praise. I think about uh, a guy that I met some years ago 
named Chris. And, and Chris's origin story was, was off. I, I, he was at our church because he was, doing some, uh, he was doing some community service hours. He had gotten in trouble. He had made some bad choices. And when I met Chris, he was a pretty tough guy. He was pretty, I mean, I really was not sure we should be, you know, one-on-one together because he was a pretty, pretty rough guy, you know, pretty, pretty built too. And I remember just talking to Chris a little bit over the time that he was spending with us. Very quickly, he told me, you know, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be here. Is what he kept tumbling out of his mouth. It was so natural to say it. Like you tell, he said it a million times. I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be here. After a couple of days, he unpacked a little more of his story. It turned out his mom was living a horrible life and she was selling her body to feed her addiction. One night, things got particularly bad and she was assaulted and... He was conceived during that assault. So that was his story that he kept repeating to himself. I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be here. That was a tough one for me because looking at pieces of scripture like that and recognizing as I do that every life is a gift, every life is a gift of God out of his love, I was really challenged with how do I respond to this guy's origin story? I prayed about it, took a couple of days, and came back to Chris. And I said, look, I recognize that... According to scripture, according to the story of God, every life is a gift made out of God's love. And I'm so sorry what happened to your mom. And in one of the most horrible violations of God's order of love, something so horrible happened to your mom. But in God's goodness, in his heart, he said, you know, maybe I'm going to redeem even that most horrible moment, and I'm going to put something special there. I'm going to put you there. And through you, he's going to redeem that moment because you're a good man cast in the image of God. And I had never seen this before. It was almost miraculous how that truth just washed over his face and suddenly his muscles relaxed. And he stopped saying, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And he said, you know, I never thought of that before. I I never thought that I could actually be here on purpose. Chris went on to accept Christ as not only his creator, but his savior, his Messiah, his Lord, and he was able to extend that story of peace that he had found in Christ to his mom. That's what happens when we find Christ at the beginning of our story. That's what happens when we first find Christ at the beginning of our story, when we acknowledge that our lives are not here because of mere chance or or choice, but in God, through the image of his love in Christ, graciously gives us life and desires us for, for us to dwell in his peace, which is his purposes, as we honor him and give him thanks in our lives. Have you found Christ at the beginning of your story? That's where it all begins. Not chance, not the choices you've made, good or bad, but God's gracious love casting each one of us, brothers and sisters, in his image. Have you found Christ at the beginning of your story? Doing that is just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my life. It's the way that Christ was able to look at a sea of poor people and say, blessed are you as opposed to woe are you, right? And so that's what we find Christ at the beginning of our story. We first turn our hearts upward and we say, thank you, thank you, Lord, for my life because you gave it to me. 
I give it all back to you. I give it all back to you. Thank you for creating me with, out of grace and purpose. And let me find my peace in you. That's what it means to find Christ at the beginning, at the beginning of our story. Now, going back to those messy Christmas lights that I've been struggling to untangle for a while. I finally found the power cord. This is true, by the way. I had a tangle of lights, and it was before we got the pre-lit tree. It's probably the reason we got the pre-lit tree. I was like, honey, okay, I think I got the lights untangled enough. And my wife, she loves to wind them around the base of the tree and around every branch. Anyone ever do that? It's quite tedious. Yeah, it's not, no, we can't just dance them around the outside. None of that. We want to wrap them carefully around every single branch of the thing in the base. And so the entire thing is basically like a tree of light. It's pretty, I don't even know why the tree is there. It's just light. Okay. So we started to do that. We started at the top, worked our way all the way down, got it all the way wound, plugged it in. Guess what happened? They were shorted out. Yeah, the middle ones. It was painful. I have no idea. Does anyone know how to fix these things? Somebody must. I don't know. There should be a service you can call where they come and fix your Christmas lights and short it out. They don't have that. We had to unwind the entire thing. So since that day, I've learned one thing. Before I take them, before I set them out as decoration, okay, I finally got them unwound a little bit. I think I can figure out before I'm going to take the time to spend on these lights, I better plug them in and make sure they work. Okay? So you go and you find the power cord, and you plug them in, and you make sure, okay, I, th I think they all function pretty good. This is good. And you notice, even in the mess, even in the tangling, there's some beauty there. There's some beauty there. Even in its tangled little state, there's still a beauty. As we continue on with our Christ hymn, we get recognition of the second part of the first verse. It said, Christ, he is the firstborn over all creation. And here is where the Christ hymn gets its light. Here's where it gets its power. In this demonstration that Christ is the firstborn over all creation. He's first. All things have been created through him and for him. How many firstborns do we have in the house this morning? Look at you with your hands up high. Firstborn, first, firstborn, quick, yeah. It's an identity that we carry with us. I'm the baby of the family, and still to this day, even with the gray in my beard and my hair, my, my sister still says, you're the baby, right? So firstborns, it's an identity we carry. Babies, we tend to carry that first. But here's the thing about Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn of all firstborns. He's the firstborn of all firstborns. In fact, he's forever firstborn. There's never a time that he was not. And so he's in this always state of forever being the firstborn. He has first place then, firstborns, in everything, everything. And he is the heir then of all creation. It all is going to be received unto him. He is truly then as firstborn over all creation as the, as, the, as, as the writer of this crafted is trying to tell us, he is truly supreme in all things. Christ is truly supreme in all things. And he has always had first place in all creation. And therefore, he should always have first place in our hearts as well. Christ as firstborn, many of you who are firstborn know this from your own family stories, carries a lot of responsibility. And in fact, as firstborn over all creation, Christ carries the responsibility of all creation, which is why he lived 
and served with such purpose. He wasn't about glorifying himself. People ask that, well, if he was creator, if he would, why didn't he talk about it? Because that wasn't his point. As firstborn, he had the responsibility of redemption of all creation on his heart and his mind, which is why his ministry was dedicated to serving the purposes of God all the way with great intentionality to the cross and to the empty tomb. Because he knew that was truly what he was about as firstborn. All the responsibility of the redemption of humankind was upon him. And he lived with purpose. He lived with great intentionality. And unlike those firstborns, and I know there's none in here that lord it over you, <laughs> that is not who Christ is. Instead, he's one who shares the blessings of his position with any and all who receive him by faith as Savior and Lord. We become part of his family. I love how uh, Paul, again, wrote of this in Romans 8.28. He said, we, all, we know that all things work together for good for those who know the love of God who are called then according to his purposes. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that Christ may be the firstborn out of many brothers and sisters, a large family. Isn't that great? As firstborn over all creation, he's not there lording it over us, saying, this is my position, this is my lot and my space. Instead, he's opening the door and welcoming everyone to the table. Come and share in my blessings. Share in the space that I have. He is sharing all the glories of heaven with us. And we do that by faith. This is called finding Christ at the beginning of your new story. Finding Christ at the beginning of your new story. See, so often we feel like our lives about pursuing our own successes our own value, having people look at us and say, look what they made of their lives. But really finding Christ at the beginning of the news story is saying, Lord, I don't want to live for myself anymore, my own self-glories. I want to be humble like you are. I want to serve like you did, not glorifying myself, but pointing always to the greater story. And in our case, the glories of Christ. You are first in my life, Lord. You see, from Christ, who is the forever firstborn in all creation, we are invited to forever be born again in him. From he who is forever firstborn, he invites us to be forever born again in him. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is why it says, So if anyone is in Christ, there they are, a new creation. And this is a state you'll always be in. Uh, Pastor Joy just led us in a great sermon series on the idea of transformation. And that's really it. If anyone is in Christ, there is something new. You notice that it's not something new that will someday be old. It's something that's perpetually and always new. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has now become new. Finding Christ at the beginning of our new story is to say, Lord, I am always a new creation before you, and we live with joy and purpose and peace as we honor him and glorify him and, and celebrate always in our testimony, sharing the peace of Christ that has been given to us because every day, every year, every decade, it feels so new. Amen? Maybe you're in need of a new story right now. Maybe you're in the need of a new story right now. Maybe you've been living out of a story of chance and choice. Maybe you've been feeling like it's all about your, what you do, 
And if you do good, then you get good. If you don't do well enough, then there goes your identity. As opposed to living out of God's gracious love. You see, when we know Christ as our Lord, then we can know real love. Then we can receive real peace, and we have a story to share. Finding Christ at the beginning of your story is saying yes to God's love, yes to his gracious gift of your life that is shown to us, given to us in Christ, the one through whom all things are made and and for him and, and, and pointing towards him. And the forever firstborn, our Lord Jesus Christ, invites you to experience the peace of God that is found in him, which is why we present the Advent candle of peace this morning. So no matter how long you've lived, no matter how many Christmases you've celebrated, no matter how many tangled lights you've walked through or untangled or how many tangled lights in your life there still remain to be untangled, there's always a new story to be found in Christ. Always. Always. He is our creator and firstborn over all creation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this great story. We thank you for this wonderful piece of poetry, a hymn you've given us that points us towards the reality of who you are, our Christ, our Savior, our Creator. Father, I pray this morning that we would have a fresh encounter with your gracious love that has not only put breath in our lungs and called us into being, but offers us continued mercy and grace whenever we need it. So, Lord, help us to find you, Christ, at the beginning of our story and help us to find you, Christ, at the beginning of our new story as we accept today first and fresh the gift of your peace found in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name and his love we pray. Amen.